Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Featuring Stephen Jobs today, because, you know, I've read a couple books on him, and oh, he's kind of an interesting fellow. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. But the only way to be truly satisfied is do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. There we go. A couple other ones. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way to know, or the best way I know, to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. <laughs> Ain't that true? It doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We were smart. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. I thought that was good. My favorite things in life don't cost any money. It's really clear that the most precious resource of all, for all of us, is time. There we go, folks. And once again, I, I, uh, I send you to our webpage. Uh, you know, so if you just go to WHK1420, Go to local podcast. Go down to Smart Investor Show. Tim Hayes, you'll find it there. And uh, it, look, uh, if you go to our webpage and you go to uh, Insights, there's a lot of good stuff in there. By the way, if you're a golfer, uh, there's a lot of good things on on you know a couple tips on golf in there. Uh, can't remember who it's from. <laughs> I'll look it up eventually. Anyway, you can also ask for uh, there. You know, we have some stuff on Brexit. Uh, the markets, the Fed, uh, real good information. On the front page, we have Bob Dickey's piece every day. We change it every day. So, look, one of the things about technical analysis is, like I said last week, is you got you'll be able to see things. You know, sometimes the market's so big it's hard to conceptualize. But if you see what's happening, you you get it. And by the way, Bob's been very negative for the last week or so, and he has been right. <laughs> You can also get our ADR list, which is starting to come around. That's American Depository Receipts. That's foreign stocks that trade on our index for, you know, you don't have the, the uh, currency problems. Our top ideas, top 30 ideas, our small cap list, our all cap list, which is done very, very well, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, that type of thing. So, uh, by the way, you can, always, you can also get Women in Wealth. It's a planning workbook. Uh, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, and for those guys and gals that uh, are in a business and who think about selling, uh, you know, we have the uh, Business guy, uh, Owner's Guide to Transition. Good stuff. Okay, so, um, you know, I, I, I was looking at a few things this week, and, and uh, you know, uh, I looked at some notes from a couple weeks ago, and remember what I said is, is that I thought there'd be a violent rotation and the VIX in the front months will collapse. 
which is starting to happen, by the way. So the VIX is very high in the first three months, and then it's starting to fade in the last couple, three months. So uh, what we're talking about is, is an inflate, inflation and epicenter stocks, and we've been talking about that for some time. Now, I think they're going to sell off. But I did notice that the FANG stock sold off pretty hard Friday, and I'm going to tell you why. But anyway, one of the, the first chart I saw was we have a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, you know, there's the ISM pricing index is, uh, is headed up, okay? Uh, and the 10-year inflation index is headed up. That's interesting. Uh, also, there's a pent-up order demand for clients who, ha- who, who want orders out 5, 10, 15 months, uh, which is interesting. So, you know, look, uh, I thought I'd talk a little bit about RBC's forecast uh, for t- 2021. It's it's kind of tough because Lori Calcivina, our head strategist, came back from uh, maternity leave. Uh, congratulations, by the way, uh, to Lori. And, and you know, she, she expected 2021 to be a solid year. Uh, it comes with some risks, she thinks. She uh, she. Anticipates a period of consolidation, most likely in the first half, and it could be as mild as a single-digit decline, and, and it could be as high as a you know 15% decline. But she thinks the shift in leadership since September has legs, and we're gonna uh, we're leaning into undervalued cyclicals. That's what the guy at Fundstrat said too. So, by the way, that's the credit suite. So, some smart people are, are starting to you know say the same thing. And, they, and she expects U.S. equities to lag non-U.S. equities and value to outperform growth. That's usually with a weaker dollar. I said the dollar is going to rally a couple weeks ago. It's rallying. Now, I don't know how long it's going to last, but we'll see what happens. Um, and and there, she, she would overweight financials, materials, and energy, and, and uh, she would market weight industrials, consumer discretionary, and healthcare and technology. Now, that's different. Now, the, the folks at Fundstrat are talking about overweighting industrials and consumer discretionary, right, uh, going into this. So we'll see. Uh, I, I think things will uh, change, you know, as things may stay the same, they always change, right? Now, I thought I'd talk about a couple different industries. And, uh, you know, I, I also got to remember that this is a live show. So if you have a question about what we're talking about or whatever, the number here is 216 901 0945. That's 216-901-0945. So consumer, look, hardware has been out to lunch a little bit because uh, software has been the end thing this year. But, you know, because 2020 was a year that kind of began with optimism for the group. But, you know, because we had 5G coming, uh, 400G, and the Wi-5-6, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but they quickly uh, evolved into some challenges, obviously, because of COVID. So it's hard to deploy hardware when the technician has to show up. You know, people don't want them in their door. So I think the themes to watch in 2021, 5G begins to live up to the hype. That's number one. Uh, following years of optimism, we finally see some, you know, follow through here, some meaning, meaningful uh, 5G adoption, which is important. Uh, the iPhone 12 models out, uh, you know, they, they just keep putting out models after models. Um we're also seeing some smaller-scale software acquisitions, and I think that's going to remain in focus, especially the uh, AI-driven automation and network monitoring, that type of thing. And the public crowd growth continues following a year that stressed remote contact, uh, connectivity. Uh, working from home has been, uh, you know, um, strenuous, shall we say, on the brain. 
uh, 400G switches begin to ramp uh, helping hyperscale efficiencies, which is big, and and consumption-based offerings uh, become a greater focus for enterprises. So uh, I think you got to take a look at hardware one more time and take it from there. So one of the other things I think is going to come back is the consumer. Uh, U.S. consumers obviously, you know, had a challenging 2020, but we think uh, – consumer spending is positioned for a very strong recovery into 2022. And furthermore, recovery would likely uh, reshape the consumer spending uh, landscape away from stay-at-home spending towards out-of-home spending. Um, now, look, one of the things that happened, uh, you know, is is the digital business did a lot better than the, the you know, the obviously the, the shopping uh, scenario. So, that happens. But, you know, consumer spending tracked by the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, the analysis declined 2.7% in, in last year. Uh, you know, we think if the vaccines are rolled out and, you know, we don't have too much problem with, the, you know, the mutations and all that stuff, we're going to have a pretty good uh, scenario. So low interest rates and declining consumer debt levels have really strengthened the consumer financial position, which I think is also important. Uh, separately, the U.S. personal savings rate jumped from from 7.2% to 16. It's a big number. I mean, it's a big, big number for the savings rate. So, uh, I mean, it, it's the highest number since, you know, way, way into the 70s. Okay. So, uh, now I think also this digital stuff is still going to be around. And those, so we think the companies that are digitally oriented, brand oriented, or are working towards digital orientation will be the way to go. And we have a list of those. Uh, you got to sign up for the thing, uh, sign up for some of the, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, just went brain dead there, uh, some of these uh, reports. So you want any of these reports, obviously, you can get them from us uh, at any given time. But uh, the other thing, we, you know, we were talking branded apparel, and uh, and we saw some specialty softness. Uh, so, you know, you, you take a, comp- a lot of companies and, you know, like American Eagle Outfit or had kind of bad sales, but their digital online presence is becoming much more important. And and we saw a lot of name brands and a lot of luxury. Uh, we we saw continued strength in luxury, but most of it was, you know, digital full price sales growth of five, of, you know, over fifty percent, uh, especially in mainland China. So uh, that's that's a group that you want to pay particular attention to. And we've got a list of uh, some names that we really like and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, if you you know, we have that report. I think it's open to you guys if you want it. And then finally, um, in that group, uh, I think you have to take a look at restaurants. You know, I think that some of the key themes for the restaurant, you know, business is, you know, uh, some of this we saw at the end of 2020 is the capacity. Um, you know, industry closures are going to remain up for debate, I think. And I, you know, we lost about 15% of the U.S. restaurants last year. Uh, and that's, 70 billion in orphan sales. Nobody, nobody owns those. Okay. So that's an important thing. So share gain opportunities may accelerate in 2021 and we expect uh, ongoing capacity limitations. Colder weather could drive some further closures, but digital growth, you know, digital ordering is, is expanding extremely rapidly in that group. Uh, we, and I can mention some names I'm not going to. We're also thinking that the M&A is going to be big. Uh, uh, you know, we we saw a couple names, um, you know, and then ESG, environmental, social, and governance. That's not going away, folks. No matter uh, uh, who you are, how you're how you're thinking. So it's something to think about. Uh, 
you know, a lot of people asking questions, you know, uh, does the ESG thing stand around for a while? And I'd say, I'd suggest yet, yeah, you know, uh, look, uh, BlackRock, Larry Fink is all in and he runs the show and they got a lot of money. Um, uh, he, I'm not one of his fans, but uh, he, he's, he's all in. Then the other area we want to talk about was autos because, you know, electric vehicles are very hot right now. But electric vehicles, I think, are going to go to uh, vehicles that are self-driven, okay? So you're going to go from EV to AV is what they call it. Uh, And I think the suppliers will be, you know, there'll be a lot of money made in suppliers and parts people. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if, uh, indeed, you know, like a, uh, you know, Ford and GM are starting to move because they have electric vehicles in place. You know, um, Lordstown is a is a company that you know just you know was brought on by a SPAC, and you know they've been making electric vehicles for some time. So it'd be interesting to see. I also think you got to look at things like uh, connectors and sensors and things like that in the automobile industry because that'll be the area that'll be probably most uh, you know. Uh, looked at uh, during the period of time. So electric vehicles have been hot. Remember what we said when Biden, the day, I think it was the weekend that we said Biden might be president. We talked about green, okay? Electric vehicles are green. Solar is green, all right? And I'll just say this, that group from that day, from that comment that I made, that group is up 74% to the end of the year and another 24% from the beginning of the year till now, they're bound to correct. But use the correction because I think, look, politics is politics, okay? But what drives the stock market is earnings, earnings and earnings. Now, the politics can influence where the earnings are going to happen. That's what you've got to do. You've got to make the move to that type of scenario. Uh, I've, I've already bought quite a bit of those, so I'll just leave it at that. So, so people have asked me, you know, uh, um, you know, what would you look look for? And I'm I'm going to go into that in the second half of the show. But in the meantime, look, I, I've been talking about preferred shares, uh, you know, the best ideas, and we have a list of them. So those who are looking for fixed income, uh, if you'd like to get our best idea, uh, you know, please let me know. Um, and uh, we we send that out. It's it's it, it's it's kind of interesting because. Um, um, most of them are hybrids. They're floaters. That's what they are. What a floater does, as I think uh, somebody called in a couple weeks ago, is they reset to the upside or downside depending on the interest rates. And uh, that's why floaters are uh, – because it, it keeps your capital in place. You know, you might have a quarter where the capital goes down a little bit, but you know it gets reset every quarter. So a lot of names in there, high-quality uh, you know, type of people that uh, you, know, you don't have to worry about. Uh, so that's something to think about. Now, some people uh, have asked me some questions about, you know, what what went on last week. And um, look, uh, I don't want to go into details about GameStop. And uh, you know, uh, basically, you know, what we had was a company that had 69 million shares outstanding and 75 were short. Okay, and the retail investor stepped in and said. We're going to take care of the shorts. <laughs> and they, they rode them into the ground. Now, some of the people are asking, well, why did the stock market sell off? Look, three or four hedge funds bit the dust last week. You know, they became dinosaurs. 
because they were heavily shorted. They liked to short these, you know, brick and mortar uh, retailers. And that's fine. But when you get somebody like this, where they have, you know, the opposite of a short rate or a, you know, where, where the, a bear rate is what they used to call it in, in the old days, is you have a bull rate, okay? And they weren't letting the people back in to cover their short. The problem with a short is you, you have un, unlimited, unlimited chance to lose money. So these guys went belly up. So if you're wondering where all the selling came from, well, first of all, most of the traders knew that, okay? Most of the guys on the desk knew that. They weren't making any bids for these guys, and they just they had to sell their good stocks to pay the margin calls. That's what it came down to. So, uh, you know, it, we had some things happen. We'll talk about it in the next part. Remember, it's a live show, 216-901-0945. It's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And a couple things. You know, the number of medical school applicants is up 18% in 2020 over the prior year. That's a lot. Also, colleges spent over $258 billion in education-related expenditures. That's an average $20,000 per student. Ivy League spent $100,000. Uh, public, elite public universities spend thirty. dollars That's a lot. Also, here's something really interesting. Compared to 2019, mortgage applications were up 26% and refinances up 105 through mid-December. Hmm, interesting, huh? So, look, uh, I, I was, I, we left, you know, we talked about this GameStop situation. There's a couple other shorts out there. So they're not letting the shorts out. So if you're wondering where the selling's coming from, these guys have to sell, okay, to handle margin calls. Uh, so what it's done is, you know, Bob Dickey's been talking about this for some time now, you know, is, is it's whacking a lot of things. And we're seeing like the, the MACD line, the uh, moving average convergence to versions sell off. You're seeing a lot of the indexes fall below their 50 day moving average. Uh, you know, those things, those things happen and are probably continue to happen. So they're selling the good stuff so they can cover the margin call. Oh boy. That's, that's kind of a, it's a tough scenario to be in, but I'll say this. I looked at the advanced decline lines and across the board, they're kind of flashing warning signs. So, um, you know, you got to be careful here. Uh, you know, look, I said this last year about the same time, <laughs> end of January, beginning of February, I talked about, I thought a 10%, 10 to 12% correction. Well, I had the, the idea was right. Obviously I didn't know about the coronavirus or how lethal it was or, you know, how much it would disrupt uh, everything, but we have seen most of the moving, I mean, the uh, advanced decline lines break over their move, break down over their moving average, which is usually not a good sign. It doesn't matter if it's small cap, mid cap, you know, I, I think small cap's still a little bit ahead, but the large caps are definitely below. So, um, you know, when you get the type of formation, I mean, Bob Dickey's been saying this every day. So if you've been reading this stuff, I've been talking about being over 70 for some time now. Uh, we did break into a column of O's on Friday, uh, you know, right around 10 o'clock. So, uh, you know, that type of stuff happens. And I think, you know, you got to be, uh, be careful, but look, here, here's, here's one thing that you got to remember. Um, 
you know, I, I think it was uh, Bill. No, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, maybe it was Peter Lynch that said more people prepare for small, lose more money preparing for corrections than they do for the fact that you're in a in a grand bull market. Okay, so. Look, I think you got to think about this, and, and this is something, you know, look, there's some stocks that are short. I own a couple. I may take some profits on those because I don't think they're going to last, okay? But the Fed could not be more dovish here, all right? So, you know, there you go. And the earnings, many naysayers constantly point to the high P.E. ratios in the market. And I keep telling people that, especially with industrials and consumer cyclicals, P.E. start with a high P.E. ratio because they're not earning any money, Okay. And when the P.E. ratios go down, then you've got to worry. Okay, so we do have a high P.E. ratio. That may be the reason, okay? So, uh, but if you look, the number of companies that have blown the analyst estimates right out the door has been significant. I mean, you know, I, I think there's – Wednesday the 27th, we had, we had 10 companies that missed their uh, earnings, so that was the highest uh, I think we had out of 43 companies, 10 missed. Thursday, uh, we had 45 companies report, seven missed. You know, so it's we're, we're not we're still in a secular bull market. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, and the secular bull market will will probably be here for a while. So I think the you know you'll have some events here that'll cause you know some uh, we'll, we'll call it disturbance in the force. But I also think you got to you know. Uh, you, you've got to be careful, but you also can't be losing sight of the long term. You know, look, I, I was looking over things, and I was there's always an ETF that's going up. I find these single country funds going crazy. I, I find ETFs in different uh, different uh, groups going crazy. Um, I've seen a lot of you know. Look, uh, Johnson Johnson hit a new high up until the time they whacked it Friday, and uh, you know. You know, this week I, I talked to a, a, one of my clients who's become a real good friend of mine. He's a, he's a Marine. Uh, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. And I can't say what, you know, they always say because I'm not a Marine. Uh, but I, I, it was Peter Lynch. I, I looked it up on my phone. So far more money has been lost by investors preparing for corrections or trying to anticipate corrections than there's been lost in corrections themselves. <laughs> that was Peter Lynch. So, you know, one of the things that uh, that Mark always talked to me about was, you know, he was a, a sergeant first class and then he became a captain. He says, you know, a captain in the Marines is kind of a lowly, lowly situation. Um, but they used to, you know, people, you know, they'd run these obstacle courses to harden their guys. And when they didn't do things right, they did, they'd hold sand and they make them do push-ups and all sorts of stuff. But the thing that they looked for the officers for, like the leaders, were when they had to jump in the mud. And it wasn't when they jumped in the mud, when they came out, how fast they came out that they were looking for. So I think the correction is coming. Okay. We've been talking about it for a month now. All right. Uh, now the question is, look, I saw two or three stocks that look great that were breaking out Friday. Okay. I, I've seen other stocks. So look, I think we're going to go down for a while <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a given. <clears throat> and, uh, I, I still see some stocks that, you know, are viable. 
Now, we might want to buy them a little bit lower. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a couple things that just went crazy on the upside. I mean, Abbott Labs went nuts on Thursday and Friday. Uh, uh, West Pharmaceuticals, you know, um, you know, Danaher's been going sideways. You know, that helped, I told you that's been on a relative strength buy signal forever. So just some things to think about. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, you, you really uh, want to just pay attention to what, what's going on in the world and, and just say, okay, where do I go from here? All right, uh, where do I go from here? And I think that's the important part. Don't just sell things to sell things. That doesn't always make sense. Uh, people think I'm crazy sometimes, but, uh, you know, I also think that you have to just pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, and, and look, if, if what, you know, if you're at GameStop, I think you're pressing your luck because it was a $20 stock and it's not really that great a company. Um, you know, uh, so be, be careful how you go about looking at things and, and just make sure that you're not doing anything stupid. Okay. Is what I'm trying to tell you. So, we did break into a column of O's, and, um, you know, people have asked me, uh, where do we go from here? And I think what's important is uh, what, what this is all part of what I call a four-year cycle. And I, you know, our, our friends at Fundstrat, uh, you know, uh, think the same way, by the way. And Rob Schleimer is a really good uh, technical analyst. And, you know, I, I told you, you know, he looks at things a lot differently than we do. Um, and, and look, here's, here's what I think, you know, you should be thinking about over the course of the next week or two. And, uh, you know, first of all, this is all part of this four year cycle. And I think there's a, you know, there's a probably a pause or a pullback developing. I think it's going to, it'll, it'll, you know, I don't, you never know starting a correction, uh, how long it's going to last or how fast. Remember, our friends at Funstrat, though, Tom Lee, thinks it's going to be a violent rotation. Uh, you know, I, I'm seeing that there's a group, there's a move towards more defensive groups. Uh, you know, utilities, REITs, you know, staples, you know, that type of thing have been, they're buying those up. So, uh, but I, look, I, I'm still bullish for 2021. Um, I, pullbacks developing, you know, the question is how big a pullback. And unfortunately, we don't know that. But uh, what, you know, we talked about our weekly quadrant balance oscillator uh, that Rob Schleimer provides us. And, um, you know, I expected to peak late January, early February. Well, you know, it peaked a little early. So it didn't get totally overbought like I thought it was going to and, and headed back down. Now, the weekly uh, momentum indicators are starting to turn over uh, this week. So, I mean, you know, whether you're talking to Rob Schleimer or Bob, Bob Dickey, they've both been talking about a correction. I mean, if you've been you know, if you go to uh, my webpage via WHK1420 and go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, you go directly to my webpage. And, and on the front page, it has technical, you know, update. That's Bob Dickey stuff. He does it every day. And every day for the last two weeks, he talked about, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful. And, um, you know, so I think the, the, the correction's begun. The, what worries me the most is the Russell 2000 because it's pretty far above you know, any kind of support. So, uh, but it's relative performance is very, very good too. I'm also seeing, you know, stuff like the, uh, some of the foreign markets start to break out versus the S&P 500 on a relative strength basis. So that might be real, real interesting. But uh, value versus growth, 
is sideways for now. So let's we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. In the meantime, we'll be right back uh, with some information on the bullish percent. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Just tuned in. This is the uh, Smart Investor Show. Once again, it's a live show. So if you got a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So uh, it uh, does help uh, if you know the number to call in. <laughs> anyway, a uh, couple things happened this week, and uh, they're all in the downside. Uh, on Thursday... Uh, the bullish percent for small caps reversed down to a column of O's. Now, it had an all-time high reading of 90%. That's that's what I was worried about, you know. And I'm talking about the uh, iShares S&P 500 small cap index, the IJR. So it was very, very overbought, uh, you know. And, and the problem is there's no real line of support uh, from here, right? I don't know exactly, you know, I, I think the next line of support is down like 10, 10 bucks on the IJR on a point and figure chart. So just remember that. And we always talk about, our, we did give our technical summary that our friends from Dorsey Wright, uh, it's part of the NASDAQ now, uh, give us. And, uh, you know, one of the things I like about this is it tells you how high the risk is. And it, so this is not, hey, we're going down this far, we're going down this far. It just means risk is higher. It means we're in a period of distribution or a period of accumulation, simple as that. And so it's a chart that goes from zero to 100. And when, you know, we get over 70, which is where we were last week, we were uh, we were 74, I believe, uh, 76, actually. Um, that's the red zone. Above 70 is the red zone. That's when everything's, you know, your portfolio is doing way too well. And, and you know, you've got to be careful. Uh, then we get below 30, and that's when most people don't open their 401k statements. Uh <laughs> I'm not invited to parties. Uh, my my mother-in-law doesn't invite me over, you know, that type of thing. Uh, and that's when you should be greedy, okay? That's when you should be greedy. Two more things. If you're a column of X's, which we were up until Thursday, you have the offensive team on the field. At, 60, at 76, like I said last week, you want to hand it off to the fullback, all right? You don't want to be doing anything crazy. You don't want to throw the bomb because you'll probably get intercepted, all right? You know, that type of thing. Uh, and then when you get in a column of O's, that's when distribution occurs. Distribution happens faster than accumulation. Simple as that. Uh, we have gone into a column of O's. We had 68 this week, all right? Uh, as of Friday morning, 10 o'clock as a matter of fact. So, uh, we also went to a column of, uh, we were still in a column of X's on the over the counter index until Friday morning. <laughs> and then we went to O's. And I believe the world index did the same thing. So we now have all three bullish percents uh, that we follow closely. We're above 70 and went below 60. That's usually not a good sign. Okay. So you want to be more defensive. Simple as that. Uh, you know, you know I, I suggested it was coming for about a month now. So it's not, it shouldn't be a secret to anybody out there. Um, you know, I looked at dynamic asset level investing from our friends at Dorsey Wright, and, and all it is is investing by relative strength. And uh, capitalization weighted it has been the place to be versus uh, equal weight. 
But small cap, mid cap growth, small cap growth is top notch. Mid cap growth is second. Small cap blend and then large cap growth and then mid cap blend. Now, with small cap growth, turning over into column lows, you want to be a little bit more careful there. Uh, but consumer cyclical jumped over technology for the first time. I don't think technology has been number two for three, four years now. Okay. So, uh, energy had a one week thing and then turned back down, but consumer cyclical picked up uh, 15, 20 votes and uh, is now is top dog in dynamic asset level investing. Technology is number two, energy is number three, basic materials number four, jumped over healthcare by two percentage points, and then industrials and financials. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes for the next couple of weeks. We've, we've had kind of negative momentum uh, on everything but small caps. Uh, and emerging markets for the last three or four weeks. I noticed the QQQs went positive, uh, was it uh, Wednesday of this week, only to have Apple, Tesla, uh, and a bunch of other ones just get hammered on Thursday and Friday. Remember, they are the most owned by the hedge funds. So if you have a margin call, what do you got to sell? The most liquid stocks you own, okay? It's that simple. So, um you know, and I, I looked at a couple things, and I looked at like the uh, S and P 500 ETF, the SPY is what they call it, and you know it broke out on a on a had a fund score of like four, you know, and direction was correct, and it really broke out hard. And then if I looked at a two point chart, you know, it's it broke a it broke support, so it went straight up and came straight back down. So uh, you know, I think you just got to be a little bit more careful out there, folks. Don't do be doing crazy stuff. All right, we did have uh, 35 sectors that were uh, that are favored. They're all overbought, uh, with the exception of maybe four. The most overbought favored sectors. These are these are at 94. Are banks, buildings, and savings and loans. The next are at 83 or 82. I'm sorry, machinery, steel, restaurants, electronics, and semiconductors. At 76 are business products. Financials, non-ferrous metals, media, chemicals, housing, Wall Street, autos, and insurance. At 70, these are, these are all you got to wait on these. Software, retail, waste management, protection services, transportation, internet, leisure, healthcare, and computers. At 66, I'd still I'd probably still wait on these too. Oil service, food, textiles. At 60. You can pick some of these, biotech, gaming, and oil. At 54, so these are places where you can look, gas utilities, remember I said utilities are picking up, aerospace and drugs. We have nothing under 30. Uh, we only have, you know, we have 35 positive sectors. There's only 40 sectors, folks. Uh, there's only two that are unfavored. So, uh, you know, like I said, back in the spring, Everything was to the left-hand side on the on the sign curve. Now everything's to the right-hand side. So this is not a time where you want to be aggressive buying. Don't be buying things that are up. Buy things that are down. Uh, people give me a hard time about that. Why don't you chase this? Why don't you chase it? I've done this before. <laughs> I've been down that road, folks, and I ain't going back. Uh, anyway, so the only thing I really saw in the in the sector area was electric utilities, which have been down and out unfavored, had moved up a, a thing. They're still not even average yet. 
and telephones, which had been unfavored, went to average. So uh, there we go. You know, and I looked at some of the uh, international equities. Emerging markets have really kind of continued to pace the broad rally for international equities. Uh, you know, I, I talked about uh, the EEM for several months, whatever. But, you know, China, for some reason, China, the fund score on China, anything China. <laughs> uh, you know, I have my favorite. I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's for my clients. But it, it looks like it's getting ready to get up and go. So I, I'm, you know, I, I've had, I have two or three Chinese ETFs that have very high fund scores, and I think they're the place you want to be. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if if they hold. Uh, what they've done is they've broken out and now pulled back. So we'll see if they pull back uh, um, anywhere near what we're looking at. But there's a couple of them that are pretty extended, also. So you're going to want to be careful. Uh, you know. I looked at fixed income, and I thought there was a few major developments over the week. And um, the Fed Reserve left interest rates unchanged, okay? And they talked about being very, very easy. And so the U.S. 10-year Treasury yield index now, this is the TNX, so this is the yield on the 10-year Treasury, ticked down slightly, and it, and it hit 1%. Uh, you know, it got up to 1.14. And that 30-year Treasury ticked down also. Uh, this is the yield index again to 1.775. It was at 180. Uh, convertible bonds continue to lead the way. Uh, I would suggest they're the best-looking asset class. Uh, and, and the other two areas are inverse fixed income. Well, I don't know what that is. And floating rates. So there we go. Uh, you know, oil had been positive and turned down uh, last week. Gold had been positive and turned down. It's funny because gold stocks are lagging the, the gold big time. I don't know why that is. Uh, but copper, which, you know, had been, a, you know, we talked about a, at, what, 290 and went to 360. That was a home run. Um, it's been negative for five weeks, so not everybody's paying attention. Corn's gone kind of wild. Uh, so in the commodity area, that's that's very interesting. Now, look, the I was looking at the dollar. And if, if the comparison of dollar versus of weighted basket of you, uh, currencies, it's the DX slash Y. And um, if you consider relative strength for currencies, keep in mind that any currency charts are relative strength pictures, okay? So, uh, but, you know, if you look, um, you know, I, I looked at some of these things, overbought, oversold. The U.S. dollar could bounce because it's had some very intense selling pressure. And uh, it was oversold by about 160%. But the foreign currency index is overbought by about the same amount. Now, it's broken its downtrend line, so probably means foreign currencies are going up and the dollar's going down for a while. But I imagine it'll come back and test that, uh, that area again. So, um, you know, pay close attention. Now, we also talk about relative strength all the time. And what is relative strength? Well, all relative strength is is how your particular stock is doing when it's compared to something else. In this case, we look at the equal weight S&P 500. That means each stock gets one vote. You know, it's not a capitalization weight where Microsoft dominates the, the market, okay? So here's a couple that have gone to buy signals. Now, remember, you know, Danaher went to a buy signal back in 2001, and it's 2000. 21 and 20 years later it's still going strong okay so got to pay attention to these you should mark these numbers names down i always do uh adtran amarin pharmaceuticals little seven dollar stock uh asus amtech uh uh systems says little small seven dollar stock capital senior living corp 
Carriage Services, Brookdale Senior Living, Cryoport, Alamira Sciences, Howard Hughes Corp, AMC. That's gone crazy this week, so be careful with that one. Jake Specific, Tight Realty Group, another REIT. Uh, Maserich, which another uh, equity REIT. Uh, remember, people getting defensive, okay? MGP Ingredients, Food and Beverage, Newell Brands, Retail, uh, Overstock, Pitney Bowes, iRobot, Loral Space, Rite Aid, United Natural Foods, Variant, Synchronous, uh, Occupier, uh, Pharmaceuticals, Oramed Pharmaceuticals, Health Equity, Brainstand Cell Therapeutics, Biogene, Blue Apron, Rubius Therapeutics, and, uh, and there you go. A couple of the cells, Brown Foreman, Progress Software, Blueprint Medicine, and uh, let's take a break and we'll be right back with Insider Bias. Okay, we're back. Hey, that's, uh, I can't remember what song that is. <laughs> I'm getting older. Anyway, uh, you know, we always talk about insiders on this show. So what we've done is we started out with a macro view, and we talked about some industries. Then we talked about some technicals. Then we talked about the overall market. And, you know, the risk, the risk level is higher now, folks, okay? Let me say it again. The risk level is higher. So what we want to do now is we're going to look where the insiders are buying because the insiders know their companies much better than us. So uh, first of all, I saw a couple small ones that uh, Intercellular, which is a company that has a schizophrenia drug, and they, they've also, it uh, looks like they're going to get approval for their bipolar product. And believe me, folks, bipolar people are coming out of the woodwork with everybody staying home, unfortunately. Uh, but we saw six buyers of about nine to 20,000 shares that turned out to be just $1.1 million worth. Also, Oppenheimer, we had one buyer of 110,000 shares, another buyer of 75,000 shares, another buyer of six, another buyer of five. That's a $34 stock. So uh, something to pay attention to. And then uh, if you don't know who David... Uh, uh, Einhorn is. You probably should. Very smart guy. But Green Brick Partners, which is residential construction. Now, Mr. Einhorn bought 17 million, uh, 17.467 million. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Perceptive Bio, I mean, I mean, uh, Perceptive Advisors bought uh, Atheria Biofarm, bought 7 million. And that, that, they have a 10% position now. So I think they own 3.4 million shares. And Inova, uh, this is a, another biotech. So the buyer, buyers are all buying. And I know of Inova, Inova Bia, <laughs> I'm sorry, bought their own stock, which is always a good sign. They bought $6 million worth. And old Teledyne, uh, which got kind of hammered last week, the executive chairman, uh, Bob uh, Merabian, bought $3.6 million worth. Uh, that's just 10,000 shares, by the way, because it's high price. And here's one that's really interesting. Robert Swan, Bob Swan, who is the former CEO of Intel, he, gave, he, he literally gave up his position because he's a financial guy and they need a technical guy to do, do the job. And uh, he goes out and he buys a million and a half dollars worth of stock. Now, this is a guy who's been buying all along. And then there is to remember, we had a big hedge fund 
by a considerable amount of intel in the last three, four weeks. Now, here's uh, the Rankin family, uh, who own Heister Yale Materials Handling, may recall about a year and a half ago, they were buying the stock in the 50s. It's now in the 90s. Well, I think it's 89, okay? And we had Tom Rankin, Corbin Rankin, Claiborne Rankin, Chloe Rankin, Roger Rankin, Allison Rankin, uh, Helen Rankin Butler, John Butler, Clara Williams, David Williams, all bought six between six, well, it's called seven hundred and eight hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. And then the BTR twenty twenty trusts bought another four one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten buyers of four hundred thousand dollars. So this is very close to a new high. So these guys have made their way and they've done it. Time and time again. Now, we also had, remember, we talked about B. Riley Financial. They had a bunch of buyers. The stock gaps up. Two weeks later, uh, uh, Bryant Riley, who's the chairman, he buys $500,000 worth. Uh, and then he buys 390000 then 380 and then 330 So I think he likes the stock. <laughs> also, I forgot to mention, uh, George Davis, who's uh, the chief financial uh, and he'll stay as chief financial officer of Intel. He bought half a million dollars worth of stock too. I love when CFOs buy. The numbers guys, you know, when the numbers guys buy, you should pay attention. Also, here's one that a name I haven't really looked at in, in years. Hamilton Beach. Uh, we had one, two, three, four buyers of about $300,000 each. That's $1.2 million. And then we had um, we that one two three four five five buyers of about one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and then we had a bunch of trusts that bought one two three four five six seven eight nine ten buyers of one hundred one thousand. So it turns out to be about four million dollars worth. Uh, so Hamilton Beach, you know, I don't know much about it, but uh, we'll leave <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay, um, I will say that you know when when you have that many uh, buys in a company like Heister Yale too. I mean, everybody's buying. Now that's exactly what happened when the stock was 48 to 52. And I still own some and, you know, so I'm not going to give it up now that they're buying, but uh, you know, Hamilton Beach is a name I haven't even talked about in probably 20 years. All right. So uh, <laughs> a very interesting development there. And I think Intel, Bob Swan, who's, who's walking out the door, out and bought $1.5 million worth of stock in the open market, and his chief financial officer, who's staying there, is going to do it. Remember, Bob was the CFO. So these guys are the numbers guys, all right? Remember that. So, all right, so, you know, I, I was talking to uh, a couple people this week, and, and you know, uh, Bob Dickey has, I think he said uh, it was 14 days in a row. He said, be careful in so many words. Uh, you know, he talked about the 10-year chart in the S&P 500 uh, and the short-term cycles near the high end. And, you know, the, the problem with the, you know, the big, the long-term chart is between the high end and the low end is 18%, uh, which constitutes, you know, almost a bear market. 20% is a bear market. So you, you got to be a little bit careful. But I think, um, you know, Short-term cycles sometimes go down halfway. Sometimes they go all the way. You don't, you never know. But uh, it, it, we're near an extreme on the upside in terms of bullish sentiment and stock performance. So I think, you know, you have to be uh, 
you know, paying a little bit more attention to what your your portfolio. I I have quite a bit of cash right now, and I um, but I'm also in some really high quality stocks, so I don't know if I want to dump them right just because the market's going down. I think you know we go back to what Peter Lynch has said: more people spend, you know, lose more money preparing for a correction than they do by just running through the correction, especially in a secular bull market. But speculative activity uh, has been very, very high uh, in in a couple of three dozen stocks. Uh, So you you, want to pay very close attention. And what I did on Thursday and Friday, uh, and I just, you know, I just compiled the information this morning, was I looked at all my stocks and I had quite a few that you know, there was some serious shirt covering, one in particular, and I think I'll I'll take some of that off the table and see what happens over the course of the next uh, six to eight weeks and see what happens. But I think, you know, um, look, you know, whether the reason was option speculation, I, and me personally, the put-to-call ratio, uh, I was talking to the folks, you know, at uh, Dorsey Wright, and uh, the put-to-call ratio is very low. Usually, you know, when you want to buy, when you buy, you want it very, very high. Okay, and I looked at all these stocks where there's, you know, it's pretty high. And um, as a matter of fact, you know, on Friday, uh, one of them was one of the stocks I was just talking about. So, you know, when the put to call ratio is really low and there's a lot of buy option activity, that's speculation. And boy, the the numbers on the option market are staggering you know more than i've ever seen in my life so now that could be the robin hood crowd and you know you got to be careful i mean look uh, i'm glad the people are are participating but uh there is a science to this stuff it's not it's not that easy all the time so just remember that uh you know oftentimes we see the biggest moves in stocks at the end of a rally just remember that um you know and i i think what you want to do right now is stick to the basis uh we have extreme volatility in some stocks in the news as um, a warning that the market may be, you know, peaking, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, and, and some of these stocks that have the most activity in them could could have 20 to 30 percent pullbacks coming up. So I think you got to be, you know, careful of that, too. And, uh, um, you know, look, you buy, buy things that haven't gone up if you've got to buy something. You know, pay very close attention. But look, I think if we hold thirty thousand, uh, you know, we'll be in good shape. But if we don't, there's a gap that occurred that we what, what I call the vaccine gap. You know, when Pfizer came out the day after the election and said, "Oh, by the way, our you know our stuff works," we had that gap. Now, usually, you fill a gap. Now, maybe years before you fill a gap, but uh, it'd probably be better for us as a you know being bullish long-term if we filled that gap. And that would be about 28,400 on the Dow. So, uh, you know, that, that would be something uh, that would concern me. Uh, you know, if we didn't hold that, then I'd be a, a little bit more nervous. And it may undercut that just to make sure that uh, I can't sleep at night, <laughs> which is the way it works, you know. Uh, so what do you do now? Um, well, look, uh, I always tell people this, and I say, look, if you have a sell-off coming, what you want to do is start getting the information for the next move, okay? Now, look, we've talked about this. We've warned you. we said there's going to be a violent rotation. I think that violent rotation has started. Um, I said the VIX in the front months will collapse, and that's starting to happen. Um, we talked about 
inflation and epicenter stocks. Okay, so if inflation is going to pick up, there's going to be a massive move into the cyclical stocks. All right, if if the the House and the Senate pass a cyclical uh, bill, you know where they're they're talking about infrastructure. Once again, we're going right back to there. So that's the area where I think there's the least risk. They have high PE ratios now. I don't think you buy them today. I think you wait for them to come to you. So, but in the meantime, I'd be looking at the dividend growth portfolio. I think the prime income list is a great idea. Uh, our all cap idea because I I think that'll be phenomenal. Uh, and our small cap idea, and remember, I think foreign stocks could do pretty well coming up here. So our ADR list would be uh, a really good one. You know, if you go to my webpage, WHK1420AM, and go down to local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, it goes right to my webpage. And don't forget, if you go to Insight, we got some golf tips on there. We got uh, information about Brexit, the Fed, uh, the markets, etc. It's good stuff. Uh, Bob Dickey's thing is on the front page, the technical, you know, daily technical uh, update. Good stuff, too. If you'd like to talk to me, it's 216-774-8906. That's 216-774-8906. We also have the Women's Women and Wealth of Planning uh, Workbook, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, and the Business Owner's Guide to Transition. Thanks for listening. This is Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Stay warm. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.